Hi, my name is Christopher Chen and I'm 11 years old and today I'll be reading Luke 9 verses 49 to 56. John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he isn't in our group. But Jesus said, don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you is for you. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent out messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, so they went on to another village. Hi, friends. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm on the pastoral team here and happy to be sharing with you. I continue to appreciate so much our Living Waters community. Uh, as we consider the second half of this year, let's be people of welcome. Uh, let's bring people along with us as we um, consider and appreciate and enjoy all the good things that God has for us this coming year. We uh, continue to find ourselves in the Gospel of Luke, specifically Luke chapter 9, uh, considering Jesus' power and human greatness. When I was in my teens, I went through a few vehicles. Uh, the vehicle I had the longest during my teen into my young adult years was, and I get this, it was an early 1970 Honda Civic, two-door standard. One of the coolest on the street, uh, two-tone, uh, a light blue, and brown because of rust. <laughs> I drove that vehicle until my vehicle was involved in a hit and run. Let me tell you a sad story. I was visiting a friend one afternoon, parked the car in the street, went in and came out uh, about 90 minutes later to see that my whole side of my beautiful two-tone Honda Civic had been smashed. Wow, what in the world happened to my beautiful car? I called the police, they came quickly, and then from there saying, well, we really have no idea, we'll investigate and get back to you. Within 48 hours, I received the phone call from the police to hear, to hear what had happened. You imagine, right around the corner from my, where my car was parked was someone who operated uh, a Dickie D ice cream cart. Some of you may not remember what they are, but they are a bicycle that has on the front of it this really, really large cooler that's full of ice cream, and this vehicle drives around and sells ice cream out of the front of the cooler. Uh, back in my day, uh, those were very, very popular, the Dickie D ice cream carts. So what happened was the 16-year-old Dickie D operator had lent the vehicle, or had lent the bicycle with the cart, to a 12-year-old friend who took the cart for a joyride and at some point making the corner, actually not making the corner, out of control and right T-boning into the side of my little Honda Civic, sending my driver's door completely into a place of no repair. My car was totaled by an ice cream cart. Random story, it's a true story. The transfer of power 
from the 16-year-old, if you would, to the 12-year-old was an inappropriate transfer of power. The 12-year-old never should have been driving uh, that vehicle. In Luke chapter 9, uh, from verse 1 right up to where we are today in verse 55, we see the outcomes of the transfer of power of Jesus to his disciples. And in Luke chapter 9, if you've been following along, you would see that there was some ups and downs of the journey, but an important transfer of power for the sake of being catalytic towards the growth of the church within the disciples' lives and, of course, the extension of the ministry of Jesus ever since. The transfer of power. Let's, let's look at the actual reading. Luke chapter 9, verse 1, where it says, One day... Jesus called together his 12 disciples and he gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So simply stated, this transfer of power, Jesus gave them power and authority, transfer of power, and he pointed them in a direction to go and help people and to tell people about the kingdom of God. So we've been seeing in Luke chapter 9, how that went. Many times Jesus had to turn the events of the day into teaching moments uh, to help the disciples continue to appreciate Jesus' power and human greatness. Often what was noted by Jesus was this huge contrast between the definition of greatness based upon what the world's vantage point would be And the contrast, of course, of that to the greatness which is identified and recognized within the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, duly being noted, Jesus often went on record and said, this kingdom of God that these disciples and, of course, we have been invited into is an upside-down kingdom to what would be common in the world. The the opposite in, in, in many cases. And, of course, nowhere is this more obvious than in matters related to power and leadership, power and authority. Jesus said that those who want to be great in God's kingdom may achieve that, but will not do that by the way of the world's methods. Believers can achieve greatness by first redefining greatness through a revelation of the gospel, and then beginning to serve God the way that Jesus did, and not just living a life based upon their own selfish interests. I do think, as we've read Luke chapter 9, and even the last three weeks about Jesus and power, I do think that the disciples wanted their lives to count for something bigger and greater than themselves. I think that need and longing lies within the heart of every person on earth today. The problem the disciples had was that they had bought into a lie, the lie that says greatness is defined by the amount of power, rank, title, authority, and position someone else gives them based upon human recognition. Again, Jesus correcting continually, greatness in God's kingdom is quite different. It's not a matter of gaining human power or recognition, but rather gaining God's recognition and approval. And it looks so different. Gaining recognition and approval from God 
and then appreciating all the rewards and benefits. So for the disciples to stay on this commission course that began in Luke chapter 1 and actually continued for the rest of the entire gospel of Luke, they needed to lay a lot of things down in order to pick a whole lot of good things up. Again, summarizing a little bit, but the kingdom of God is all about the exaltation of Christ in a way that we've heard the last few weeks, in a way that confronts and overturns the lies, deception, and strongholds of Satan. And of course, helps people find their way for themselves with Jesus. And helping people get there is what these disciples were commissioned towards. So the text that was read earlier today, Luke chapter 9, verses 49 to 55, we see on two occasions in that reading, the disciples' line of thinking, again, way over here, while Jesus is way over here. Matthew 12, 34 does say that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so in our text's reading today, the abundance of the heart, which was being spoken of by the disciples, really showed a bit of distance. And so Jesus, again, not dismissing them, but delightfully calling them back to the greater way. Let's look at the two statements. The first statement is found in verse 49, and it reads this way. Master, said John, hey, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Verse, again, chapter 9, verse 49. What is the cause of the disciples' contempt? We uh, looked two weeks ago at chapter 9, verses 37 to 43, the events that happened at the foot of Mount Tabor after the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus was exalted. The disciples had come down earlier than Jesus to the base of the mountain and were introduced to a human need. Uh, being asked to exercise a demon by a father who, uh, a son of the father, had a great need and the disciples were enlisted and solicited to help and their help was actually unsuccessful. This young boy did not receive the help that he needed from the disciples. And so perhaps in the hearing of this one that was not of them, the disciples were comparing their inabilities to this man's abilities and because of that, um, were troubled by it, created some contempt. What, what is, what's going on in his life that's not going on in, in, in my life? Friends, um, receiving anything from God uh, doesn't make you a favorite. It makes you favored. And the disciples needed to apply that in this context. Um, Perhaps the, the judgment the disciples were giving to this one that was not of them. Uh, to them, perhaps it was maybe a symptom of a, a real inner security that required them to put down their ego and to make room for others. Um, perhaps anyone they thought that would threaten their sense of superiority was to be considered an enemy, enemy and, and that's not the case at all. Jesus always made room for more. 
not at the expense of favoring one, but certainly at the expense of saying, I really have no favorites. I love all people, and I invite all people to my side and to my mission. Disciples said, hey, we tried to stop him, but he's not one of us. What poignant words. It's interesting the disciples expected Jesus to pat them on the back and say, well done, disciples, for protecting the integrity of our ministry. Jesus turns to them rather and sighs. He says, don't stop him, for whoever is not against you is for you. Um, This type of behavior of separatism was not sanctioned by Jesus ever. Jesus' definition of who is in and who is out was obviously quite different from what the disciples were experiencing because out of the heart, uh, out of the mouth, the abundance of their heart was speaking. C.S. Lewis said, a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And, and of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Oh, how the disciples needed to let go and look up and find true security based upon a relationship for them and all people. Uh, that's the gospel. The, the second statement is found in verse 51 on. It reads this way. It says, at the time... As the time drew near for Jesus to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem and he sent messengers ahead to to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. So here Jesus, uh, down from Mount Tabor in the north and was headed to Jerusalem in the south. And he sent his disciples on ahead of them to travel south into a Samaritan village to perhaps find, uh, because of the length of the journey, to possibly provide and get prepared lodging and food. Well, it wasn't quite that simple as we read and heard in our text today. The Samaritans had become something of a culturally hybrid people. Uh, Their roots went back to being part of Israel's northern kingdom. But they had given themselves over to the adultery of the Assyrians. And while the Jews honored Jerusalem as the holy city, the Samaritans had made Mount Gerizim the center of their worship. They had built their own temple there, and the Samaritans, as a result of that, were there. The Jews were there, and they didn't like each other. One reason for that is history would tell us that about 100 years before Luke chapter 9, a Jewish king um, destroyed Uh, the temple in Jerusalem. So there's no surprise in Luke chapter 9 that with that recent history, the Samaritans did not like the Jews. So it's no surprise as Jesus' disciples uh, innocently perhaps traveled into a small Samaritan village that they were not welcome to come and stay. Furthermore, the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. Uh, The Jews looked upon the Samaritan people as those who had betrayed their own culture and God. So again, this huge sanction and huge divide. So the the disciples react to this. They they react. While, While we may think that the disciples were acting in some extreme manner, perhaps we see a bit of ourselves in this. They perhaps are acting in a way that sometimes can run through any person's life. They don't like each other. They drew lines in the sand, if you would, and because of that, were thought of as each other's enemies. 
Friends, over over the years, we've all seen how Christians can be notoriously judgmental in the name of standing up for themselves. Whenever we want to bring our judgment to our defined enemy, we've got to be we've got to be corrected. We often judge in those situations what we presume the offense to be. A famous scholar once said, the root and origin of sin is the arrogance in which man wants to be his own and his neighbor's judge. We prefer to exercise the right to determine good and evil rather than leave this knowledge and revelation to God. So we see here again in this Situation. The disciples were near Jesus, but they were far from his heart. How does this play out? Verse 53 or, or verse 54. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? Huh. I've never said that. Wow, what, what language? Should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? Wow, what a... What an animation. While there is a great deal of animosity between Jews and Samaritans, the anger of the disciples is on full display here. Again, close to Jesus, but far from his heart. And it was not righteous anger, it was wrongful anger. Jesus rebuked them. Perhaps it was because Jesus saw a very thinly veiled racial and cultural prejudice in their lives. Disciples somehow justified the thought that the Samaritans were worthy of death for their prejudice, but did not recognize the same evil in themselves. Again, let's call fire down from heaven and burn them up. Who says that? Again, imagine the disciples thinking that they were in a position to bring final judgment was, was a real overstatement. So the disciples been given a transfer of power, but it was not a, a, a power to determine who was right and wrong, but a power to serve selflessly. Friends, there is a pride that always enjoys ways to define a right group and a wrong group. And then, of course, comfortably joining what Pride would estimate to being the right group. And then, of course, sitting with the right group, this right group will always judge those that they think are the wrong group. And wow, how, how far away from the heart of God people can find themselves. So when it comes to Jesus and power and authority, what are we learning? Number one, from this story, greatness lies not in the power to gain social status, but in power to lift up the value of the least. That's what Jesus came to do. And so as he was transferring his power, he was transferring responsibility to come under people, not to stand over people. So the disciples needed to keep their eye on what would Jesus do rather than what would the disciples do because the difference is huge. Jesus served the crowd, 5,000 in Luke chapter 9. He delivered a demon son. He went uh, to the whole intentional exercise of holding a child up in Luke chapter 9. He used his power and authority to keep the one who was casting out demons on the team rather than excluded. 
And here he's confronting something which is very, very dangerous in the heart and lives and minds of the disciples. Number two, greatness lies not in the power of competition, but in the power to bless all that serves God's purposes, even if beyond our turf and type. The disciples, the security that the disciples were trying to hold on to was rooted in insecurity. And wow, when you become part of a following Jesus, those insecurities potentially can leave because of a new identity and foundation in Christ. Thirdly, we see in Luke chapter, we see in Luke chapter 9, uh, we see this greatness is, lies not in the power of our prejudicial superiority and judgment, but the power of humility that leaves final judgment to God and God alone. There will always be a pride, as I said earlier, that will always enjoy finding ways to define the right group and then join it. These groups form around rank, title, elevate, they dismember people, and, and often leave people excluded, not included. I'm thankful Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God, in the midst of all the human deception, but God demonstrated his love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That's the gospel. That's the good news. What a good father. What a good father. Oh, that we are loved by God because God is great. Because God is great. Friends, if, if you're a Christian, in closing, I wanted to say this. If you're a Christian here today, you've received the transfer of power in the same way that the disciples had. And I encourage you to walk with authority, walk with the anointing and power of God upon your life, not to exalt yourself, not to exalt a church, but to serve a person. And by doing so, can be thought of as great in the eyes of God and a great blessing for people. Certainly these last number of months and year and a half has moved people into all kinds of situations, often in isolation, often in separation. One of the things that the disciples got right is when Jesus said go, they, they decided to go and they went village to village and town to town and they sought to be obedient to what Jesus was asking them to do. That they got right. I imagine in Luke chapter 9 and the following chapters, they went, they, they caught up to some old family friends. They probably were recreated with family members. They met a stranger. They helped the one that they had heard about and were reunited with. And my prayer as we, uh, before we sing, my, my prayer for us as living waters, as we continue to move along this summer, these summer months, Let's do the greatest thing, and that is to serve God and come alongside people as community builders, not community dividers. Wow. Oh, to take initiation, to, to feel the commissioning and movement of God, to be a sent people, to, to gather people and to go to people and to help people and to bring people together. Oh, if there's ever been a day, this is the good day to be doing that. We can become great in God's eyes. And I believe uh, that those that pursue greatness for the right reasons, the right way with the right attitude, God will bless for his glory and for our good benefit.